When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast. My name is Zach Kroll. I'm your host, and it is so good to be back with you guys talking a little bit of college basketball. Before we get into today's show, just in case any of you guys missed it over the course of the last couple weeks, our guy, Aaron Torres, of course, the founder of Aaron Torres Media, he joined me on this show over the course of the last few weeks, and we've been previewing and breaking down some of the top conferences in college basketball. We did the SEC. We did the Big East. We even did the ACC a couple of days ago. That will be dropping soon on the YouTube channel, so keep an eye out for that. But it was a great time previewing a bunch of these conferences with Aaron and the season is now just one week away. I'm sitting here recording on Monday, October 30th, around 2.30 PM in the as- in the afternoon Eastern time. And one week from right now, seven days, we will have the first slate on the college basketball calendar headlined by the one big game, USC taking on Kansas state. Those should be two teams ranked in the top 25 in the preseason, in my opinion, Can't wait for that one. Then on Tuesday night, we'll have Auburn going up against Baylor. And really just from then on, including in the first week of the season, that's been a little bit of an issue in college basketball recently, right? Is that first week, there are a lot of times when we're complaining as fans about, man, why aren't there more big games with better matchups in that first week to really draw attention to the sport throughout the first week of the season? We finally have that this year. We'll have, again, uh, Kansas State and USC on opening night. We'll have Auburn and Baylor Tuesday night. And then that Friday night is just loaded with a bunch of really good games. Duke and Arizona, Tennessee, Wisconsin. I can't wait for it. And I can't wait to be talking about it with you guys on this show. Now, in terms of today's show, it's funny because there were a couple areas I was considering going down, especially to start this show, right? I was thinking, maybe do we do another conference preview? Maybe do we talk about which league or which conference I think is going to be the best this year? There were a ton of different ideas that were really roaming through my head in terms of what I was going to do to start up today's show. But then this past weekend, I just found myself glued to the television watching a bunch of these secret scrimmages and they're really not so secret anymore and this has kind of become a trend in recent years in college basketball right before the season is about to start there's no better way 
for coaches to really get a sense of what exactly their team is, how good they are, what they need to work on, then going up against other teams that you're going to be competing against down the line in games that do not count, that will give you the opportunity to work on things that need to be fixed in order to try out different lineups, in order to just get a really good sense and a really good feel for what exactly your team is heading into the season. And in the past, there was a reason why they were called secret scrimmages, right? Because they were secret. There weren't a lot of people watching. You really had to be a member of the team if you wanted to get into the gym and see exactly what was going on, maybe some media here and there. But now these games are broadcasted on TV. And as fans, as viewers sitting and watching from home, we have the opportunity to watch these games and see what's going on. And that's exactly what I did over the weekend, including yesterday, even on a football Sunday, watching Tennessee and Michigan State, watching Kansas and Illinois on Saturday in the middle of the college football slate. I had the opportunity to watch a little bit of Arkansas Purdue, which really stood out. And basically every marquee team in college basketball over the course of the last week has taken the floor at least once to participate in one of these secret scrimmages. So that is what we are going to start up today's show with. Unfortunately, I'm going to be riding solo today. Our guy Aaron will be back with us on the show leading up to the start of the season, maybe breaking down some more conferences, maybe just talking college basketball overall. But I'm going to be riding solo with you guys today, talking about some of my key observations from the secret scrimmages. Now, before we get into the uh, secret scrimmages specifically and talking about certain teams, I wanted to answer a few questions off the bat, including what exactly should we do with these results, right? If you're a fan of a certain team that played great in a secret scrimmage, right? How much value should you be putting into that in terms of realistic expectations for your team heading into the season? And I think it's a phenomenal question because it could be answered in many different ways. To start off by saying, they mean everything or they mean nothing, it's somewhere in between, right? If you watched your team this past weekend and saw them just play great, great basketball, does that mean your team is going to be going undefeated throughout the season and be ranked number one in the country? Probably not, but at the same time, there are things you could use that could help you make appropriate judgments and appropriate observations on your team going into the season. As an example off the top, watching Tennessee against Michigan State yesterday, the transfer from Tennessee, Dalton Connect, he looked really good, uh, uh, played really well, really didn't look like he was having any trouble at all adjusting to the speed and the quickness of the SEC opposed to uh, playing at the mid-major level where he transferred up from. So if you're a Tennessee fan, that's a really good sign. But just because you beat Michigan State, in the secret scrimmage yesterday, does that mean your team uh, is automatically going to be the top team in the SEC and automatically be ranked in the top five uh, throughout the season? No, it's still college basketball. There's still peaks and valleys to go throughout the season, but Tennessee, we know just how good uh, they are, and we're going to be getting into them in a second. So my advice, if you're a fan of one of these teams playing in the secret scrimmage this past weekend is don't overreact positively or negatively if your team played really well you could be excited about it but you also have to realize like okay we have to take a deep breath it's only a secret scrimmage this doesn't mean we're all of a sudden going to go undefeated and be the best team in the country and I would say in a negative way as well St. John's is an example that comes to mind for me somehow some way St. John's lost in a secret scrimmage to pace 
yesterday. Yes, Pace, that's a D3 uh, small school in New York City that should never have any business being on the same floor as St. John's, let alone beating them in a secret scrimmage. And that's exactly what happened. Now, for some context, don't completely panic yet, Red Storm fans. You didn't have Joel Soriano and Jordan Dingle, who are probably your two best players entering this season, in addition to RJ Luis, who uh, he was injured uh, dating back to a couple weeks ago. Hopefully St. John's will have him on the floor to start up this season. But if you're a St. John's fan, is the loss to pace very disappointing? Sure. Should you be a little bit nervous, a little bit concerned about your team? Sure. But the sky should not be falling. We just cannot overreact to these secret scrimmages and what goes on. Can you have key takeaways? Can you have observations that could make you feel excited or make you feel a little bit worried heading into the season? Sure. But that would be my overall advice to the secret scrimmages. Just don't overreact in a good way or a bad way. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So the first secret scrimmage I wanted to react to, we spoke about it a little bit to start up the show there, was... Tennessee taking on Michigan State at the Breslin Center in East Lansing. This game took place yesterday afternoon. It was actually on Big Ten Network as a viewer and just as an overall fan of college basketball. I was so excited uh, seeing that game pop up on the TV, and it was great watching two high-level teams. For the record, I think both of these teams are really good. Aaron and I spoke about Tennessee in the SEC preview podcast. I think this is a legitimate top-five team heading into the season. I think they should also enter the season as the clear-cut favorite, the clear-cut team to beat in the SEC. And there was nothing that we saw yesterday on the court against Michigan State that would change that opinion for me. And that's particularly impressive because it's important to remember Tennessee were, were missing a couple key pieces that are, that should be playing some big-time roles for them in this 2023-2024 season. We know about Zakai Ziegler. Uh, he's going to be a junior this upcoming year. But unfortunately, his season ended uh, in February last year with the torn ACL, and he is still working his way back to recovery. Tennessee does expect him to be back sooner uh, rather than later, but there's a good chance they're going to start the season without him. And also fifth-year guard Santiago Vescovi, who's a big reason I'm really high on this Tennessee team. He's dealing with a personal family matter back home in Uruguay. I hope everything is okay with him. My thoughts and prayers. And hopefully he will be back for Tennessee to start off the season. They will have that big game a week from Friday against Wisconsin in the Kohl Center. And that's not going to be an easy game to win. Uh, Tennessee should hopefully have him back for that one. But despite 
those two guys missing, we still saw plenty of key pieces for Tennessee that will have a big role for them uh, starting the season. And we have to start with the guy Dalton Connect, right? He played 34 minutes yesterday, very efficient from the field, 8 of 16, 9 of 11 from the free throw line, and he leads Tennessee with 28 points. Jordan Ganey, another transfer who without Ziegler should be in for a pretty big role as well. He was Tennessee's second leading scorer with 20 points. He goes 6 of 10 from the field. Both Connect and Ganey, two guys transferring up from the mid-major level, they each played 34 minutes and were really Tennessee's uh, go-to scorers in this game, which should, should be a great sign. I said this about Tennessee in the SEC preview podcast with Aaron, and I still believe it a thousand percent. I think that in years past, it almost felt like to me, Tennessee had too much talent. And Rick Barnes had the ability to just try out so many things and so many different players and so many different spots that it felt like Tennessee had a little bit of trouble sometimes just establishing their role and trying to figure out who fits best where. And I think the good thing about this team and the thing I really like about them is everyone has a clear role, right? When you look at the backcourt, Ziegler is going to have a big role when he comes back. Vescovy, you could play those two guys together, even with a Ganey in the backcourt. Freddie Delone, who he only played 14 minutes last night, uh, high profile, high, highly uh, recruited freshman. I'm really excited to see what he could give this Tennessee team. He's even gotten some NBA buzz as well, super athletic. You have a guy like him in the backcourt, along with Ganey. Like, there's a lot of depth there. And then with Connect, you now have a guy you know that could play either at the three or at the four who's had no trouble at all adjusting to the fast pace and the style of power six basketball playing in the SEC. He looked very comfortable yesterday, letting the game come to him, scoring 28 points. You have another guy on the wing in Jemai Meshack, who's one of the best defenders in the SEC, a super underrated player. Josiah Jordan-James, he played 30 minutes yesterday. He's been around the block for a really long time. And another name I wanted to throw at you guys is Jonas Adu, who ever since he came to Tennessee as a freshman, I've been very intrigued by him and have been waiting to just see him in a bigger role. It's a great sign for him to be on the court yesterday for 29 minutes, just an anchor uh, rebounding the ball, protecting the rim. He finished yesterday with eight rebounds and a block, along with three steals in that game, which is also a really good sign for Tennessee. So I think this volunteer team is loaded and one thing I forgot to mention off the top that uh, Aaron actually brought up to me in the first few minutes of that game, and I agreed 100%. It was very clear when you were watching both Tennessee and Michigan State that both of these teams are super old, they're super experienced, and I'm not saying that as an insult by any means, but anyone who's followed the sport of college basketball long enough knows that those uh, qualities, having age, having experience, will help you in the long run of March. We rarely see teams filled with freshmen win at a big time level anymore in today's sport. You could have some freshmen, but you need some top-notch level experience in there as well. And I think both Tennessee and Michigan State had that. Both of these teams were very composed. And I like the fact that both of these teams are really led by veteran players to provide just some stability. But then at the same time, you have some younger players with really high ceilings that could definitely definitely make big time impacts and make these respective squads even better. So if I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm feeling really excited. It was great to see connect play and uh, up close and just how good he looked again, 28 points. He goes eight of 16 from the field, three of nine from three, nine for 11 from the free throw line. And we all know how big of a thing the transfer portal is in today's game as well. 
and just how important it is. But in terms of the players you're getting and the impact they're making, I don't want to say it's always a crapshoot, but I've noticed with a lot of mid-major players transferring up, there's just never really a guarantee what they're going to look like. If they're going to have no trouble at all adjusting or if they're going to have some trouble. And Connect, the guy that played at Northern Colorado last year in the big sky, he looked like he had no trouble adjusting at all. It's a great sign for Tennessee that he's out here dropping 28 points. And we know also that Tennessee is going to be really good defensively always. Just the last few years, they've had some trouble scoring the basketball. And the fact that you brought a guy in, and in the first game, in the secret scrimmage, he drops 28 points. That's just an awesome, awesome sign for Tennessee. And you have to be excited about this false team. Some thoughts on Michigan State as well, and it's interesting, right? I'm really high on the Spartan team heading into the season. I would say even higher than most. And Tom Izzo is a legendary coach, right? We know just how long he's been in East Lansing, just how great of a head coach he's been winning that national championship in 2000. And Michigan State has been great. They have been the premier program in the Big Ten since Izzo has really been there. And as great of a job he's done, I just always think to myself, man, it's not right that he has one national championship. He deserves another one. And I think that this year's Michigan State team might give him his best shot to do that, to earn that second national championship before he retires. I'm not saying it's impossible for him to do that if he doesn't get it done this year, but we've seen recently in college basketball, right? Some of these older coaches that were staples in the game, they've retired recently, like Mike Krzyzewski, like Jay Wright, like Roy Williams, guys like that that were just around the game for such a long time, and all of a sudden in a snap, they're done. And Tom Izzo is still around. He's still doing his thing. And I was actually at Michigan State's uh, NCAA tournament loss last year in the Sweet 16 against Kansas State. That was at Madison Square Garden. And I just remember thinking to myself, after Michigan State lost that game, like, man, they had it. They were right there. That was just a close back and forth game. They lost in overtime. And it's very rare for Michigan State or really any team in general to have a team that good that made it to the Sweet 16. Michigan State two years ago actually made it to the round of 32 and were very, very competitive against Duke and uh, Coach K in uh, his uh, the tour, in uh, the farewell tour for Coach K. And Michigan State, that team didn't, really mix or blend that well together two years ago. I thought that the team last year had much better chemistry overall, and they had a great tournament run, be upsetting Marquette in the round of 32. They just fell uh, short, and they're bringing back most of the guys from last year's team. Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogarth, Jaden Akins in the backcourt, Malik Hall, Matty Sissoko in the frontcourt. But the thing that makes this Michigan State team very intriguing to me, and the thing that makes them, in my opinion, a legitimate national championship contender is the freshman. They have arguably the best freshman class in all of college basketball. You put Kentucky uh, right there up with them, but guys like Xavier Booker, a guy like Cohen Carr, who just had a monster, monster dunk. I'm sure you guys could uh, find that highlight. He had an awesome dunk yesterday. Jeremy Fears. Michigan State, the thing that makes them so interesting to me is that any of those freshmen could really raise this team's ceiling, but they're not really going to be relied upon. Those are Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard and Jay Nakins. And Walker, he was himself yesterday, 8 of 19 from the field. He leads Michigan State with 22 points. You also had Malik Hall uh, and A.J. Hogard scoring 14 each. 
and Jaden Aiken scoring 12. So that's a good sign if you're a Michigan State fan that each of those top four players were able to get in double digits. I think Sissoko is super underrated too. He really provides you with nice stability in the front court and having basically your whole starting five back from last year's team. I know Joey Hauser is the one guy that didn't come back, but Malik Hall, he's played a bunch of college basketball in his career. He's a fifth-year senior. He's been around the game for a while. He'll provide this Tennessee or uh, this Michigan State team, I should say, with experience. And even though it was a little bit of a disappointment with how the game ended yesterday for Michigan State, Tennessee, they, were, uh, they ended up getting the win 89-88. And that was right before – um, Tennessee actually won the game thanks to a little bit of a, of a spotty uh, free throw call in the end that there was a foul called on Michigan State and Tennessee hit a couple free throws. Uh, I might have said in overtime, the, the game ended in regulation. Apologies for that. But Tennessee ends up getting the victory. Again, it's a secret scrimmage. You shouldn't really be too concerned with the results of who won and two loss, but really just how individual guys performed. And can you see those guys uh, continuing that impact? throughout the regular season, but that was a great game between two high level teams. It was also crazy. Tennessee, they got off to a roaring start. Michigan state fell behind 17 to one early, but they were able to battle back and get it uh, to within three by halftime. And that's a great, great sign. If you're a Michigan state fan as well, seeing your team able to show that level of fight, but it was just great watching that scrimmage yesterday out of all the secret scrimmages this weekend. This was really the main one that stood out to me. And it was just great having college basketball back on the television. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The next secret scrimmage I wanted to get to, this actually took place on Saturday, and it was between... Purdue and Arkansas at Bud Walton Arena. And this is such a fascinating matchup for me. Starting with Purdue, we all know what happened to this team last year. They played so well, a little bit surprisingly out of the gate. Purdue, they were not even ranked in the top 25 going into last season, if I remember correctly. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're the number one ranked team in the country. They played so well early on. And they were able to maintain that for the most part through Big Ten play to keep that number one seed. But by the time we got to the NCAA tournament last year, it was very clear that Purdue was just not the same team as they once were early on in the season. And for a number one seed, they were very vulnerable. I don't think anyone ever expected it to get to the point it did where they're out here losing to number 16 seeded Fairleigh Dickinson in the round of 32, or excuse me, in the round of 64, the first round. But it was clear if you watched Purdue last year, something was up and the one and only comparison you could make to this Purdue team, of course, is Virginia. 
who was the only other team to be in that same position as they're in right now, entering the season as a team that was embarrassed and became the first ever number one seed to lose to a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. Now for Virginia, they were able to retain most of those guys, right? They brought just about everyone back. Ty uh, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter. The core group of that team was still there and we know what happened. They ended up getting full payback, full revenge and winning a national championship. And everyone's asking me, could you see Purdue doing the same thing this year, considering the fact that the national player of the year, Zach Eady, he'll be back returning to school. They bring back the backcourt of Braden Smith, Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, which is a good sign. Uh, they also have some role players like a Mason Gillis, like an Ethan Morton, uh, Caleb First, Trey Kaufman-Wren, guys that played a little bit down the stretch last year. They'll all be back. So Purdue, they're in a very, a very similar spot to Virginia. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do what that uh, Wahoo team did. But anyway, let's get into the secret scrimmage. And the first thing from the Purdue standpoint that sticks out to me, and Matt Painter actually said this to John Rothstein, is Trey Kaufman-Wren, Painter called him Purdue's most improved player throughout the offseason. And he played well in the secret scrimmage. He finished with nine points, four of seven from the field. And it felt like to me, especially late in last year, Purdue just needed more of an offensive punch and more shot makers and shot creators to go around Zach Eady. And it's understandable why when you're starting Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer in the backcourt, two true freshmen, it was reasonable to think that eventually they were going to hit a little bit of a slump and start struggling a little bit. And that was one of my concerns with Purdue. It's very hard to win in today's era of college basketball when you're starting two freshmen, true freshmen in the backcourt. And I'm hoping that Kaufman Wren could come in, he could start, and he could make a little bit more of an impact. He could provide this team with a little bit more of an offensive punch, a little bit more of a offensive firepower. And he was able to do that in the secret scrimmage on Saturday. For the record, Arkansas did win 81-77 in overtime. The crowd at Bud Walton looked absolutely electric for a secret scrimmage in October. It really sounded uh, more like a late February SEC crowd. That's how passionate these fans in Fayetteville are. And they did a great job coming out and supporting their team. But it's interesting that Matt Painter didn't come out with the same starting lineup he was riding with last year, right? Purdue really for the back end of last season, they were starting Smith and Lawyer in the backcourt along with Mason Gillis and Ethan Morton on the wing around Edie. But Matt Painter already is, looking for some more solutions. He's looking to provide this uh, for this offense to get a little bit more firepower scoring the basketball. And it's going to be interesting to see if Trey Kaufman Wren uh, is able to do that. He's a former top 50 recruit. He he was a really good player in high school. Edie had 15 for Purdue. Fletcher Lawyer had 15 for Purdue. Brayden Smith had 12. That's a good sign getting those freshmen and their confidence back. Mason Gillis, he played 30 minutes off the bench, five of 10 from the field. Uh, He scored 13 points. That's a good sign. That was someone that really lost confidence uh, shooting the three-point ball last year. Between him and Lawyer, both those guys really, really struggled shooting the ball from deep. And in this game, they combined 5-4-14 from three, which isn't even great. But the fact that they're even willing to shoot the ball 14 times to show that, okay, we're still confident in our shot-making ability, that's a good thing. I think if you're a Purdue fan from the Arkansas side of things, it's interesting, right? Because 
I'm not going to lie to you guys, and I mentioned this earlier in the uh, SEC preview podcast to Aaron. The one thing I'm a little bit concerned about with Arkansas going into the season is the just amount of overall talent they lost. And I totally understand. You can make the argument that part of what made Arkansas' season so impressive last year was the fact that it seemed like every week would go by and someone would be hurt. And then they'd be back and they'd start playing really well. And then another guy would get hurt. And it just kept going on and on and on. And it really never felt like Arkansas was able to get any continuity or play basketball together consistently when Coach Musselman, he just had to try out so many different lineup combinations with all the injuries, everything that was going on. And now that those four guys of Nick Smith and Ricky Council and Jordan Walsh and Anthony Black, those four players are now out the door. And even though Arkansas, they brought back some key pieces, right? Trevin Brazil, Devo Davis, of course, like he always does, must brought back uh, some big time, big time names from the transfer portal that should play just a major impact for this year's team. I'm just very curious to see the continuity and what this Arkansas team looks like, especially early. That's another theme of Eric Musselman coached Arkansas teams is that a lot of times they'll have trouble at the start of the season, especially during non-conference play kind of figuring things out. Maybe that will bleed into SEC play a little bit too. They've started 0-3 in the SEC before under Coach Muss and then just find a way to somehow figure things out and start playing their best basketball by the time we get to the most important point, which is the NCAA tournament. And I could definitely see that happening with this year's Arkansas team. But if you're a fan of the Razorbacks, one huge positive I really want to emphasize is Trevon Brazil being back and being healthy. It's crazy because I mentioned those four guys that Arkansas lost going back to last season, right? Nick Smith, Anthony Black, Jordan Walsh, Ricky Council. All four of those guys are in the NBA right now. And I feel like Trevon Brazil, if he would have stayed healthy throughout last year's season, he would have been in that same group. And overall, he might have just been the most talented player Arkansas had on their team last year. And despite the injury, like the fact that he's back, just a great, great thing if you're an Arkansas fan. But you guys know, coming off a torn ACL, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to gain that explosiveness back and to be that same player that you were pre-injury. And Brazil looked phenomenal in the secret scrimmage on Saturday afternoon. He played 30 minutes. He led Arkansas with 15 points. He had 15, and a Tremont Mark, the transfer from Houston, they each had 15 to lead the way for Arkansas. He also had three steals, a block, uh, five total rebounds, and that's just a great sign if you're an Arkansas fan because you're going to need this guy this year, I think, to probably be your best player. And I know they have a lot of other really good names. Mark, I mentioned, LL is from Louisville. He's a guy that led them in scoring last year in the ACC. Devo Davis is back. I also thought it was encouraging that Chandler Lawson, the transfer from Memphis, who went a little bit under the radar this offseason, I think, compared to some of the other big-time transfers that – Arkansas was able to add but he played 32 minutes in this game and even me who I've always been a huge Chandler Lawson fan I thought he played really well towards the back end of last season at Memphis I did not expect him to have that prominent of a role for this Arkansas team but if he does I do think that's a positive when you have him and Brazil in the front court guys that are you know 6'9 6'10 but could also move around really well uh very athletic could run to the rim also play really good defense, very switchable. We all know uh, how much Coach Muss likes that versatility on the defensive side of the ball. 
I think that's a really good thing for Arkansas that he played 32 minutes. And I know that when some hog fans see that they're going to be a little bit surprised, but I think that is also a big, big takeaway for me uh, watching that game and looking at this box score Chandler Lawson, he played a big, big impact. And that's the thing with transfers too. And I think coach must would say this when you have so many transfers, especially it's going to take some time to really see who fits best in what role. And just overall, like what exactly you have, the only guys on this team that coach Muss really knows and have coached for a full season are Brazil Devo Dave. And he hasn't even coached Brazil for a full season because he went down with the injury last year before SEC play even started, but Brazil Devo Davis and Makai Mitchell and Joe Pinion who played sparingly uh, in the secret scrimmage. But besides those four guys, coach Muss is still really learning what he has. And the fact that Arkansas was able to get that great of an atmosphere at Bud Walton against the Purdue team that we know before the even the season even starts, they have a little bit of a target on their back entering uh, this season as the team that, yeah, they were a number one seed last year, but they were embarrassed in the NCAA tournament. I'm sure anyone who plays Purdue is going to have that thought in their mind entering the season, like, oh, are these guys focused on us or are they just still, you know, feeling pretty down about themselves after what happened in the big dance. But we know the pressure is going to be on Matt Painter and, I think overall, just playing in that environment, playing against this Arkansas team, even for a secret scrimmage, that was just high, high level basketball. And uh, if you guys haven't seen it yet, I would really encourage you guys to either watch the film or the highlights because that was just a great, great game. And I'm really excited to watching both these teams back on the floor this season. So after the initial Tennessee, Michigan State secret scrimmage ended, that was on the Big Ten Network on Sunday afternoon. There was another scrimmage they went right to, and that was between Kansas and Illinois. And for the most part, I, I think people realize what the expectations are for Kansas entering the season, right? Bill Self, anytime he's your coach, anytime Kansas is going to be playing their home games at Allen Fieldhouse, they're going to be ranked at the minimum in the top 10 and most likely in the top five. And that will still be the case entering this season as Kansas comes in at number two in the AP poll. And they will bring back Dewan Harris, for my money, the most consistent and trustworthy starting point guard in the country. We know the big addition they made in the transfer portal as well, bringing in Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. They also bring guys like uh, Kevin McCuller and KJ Adams back, who should play a pretty big role for this team. And uh, McCuller played really well in the secret scrimmage on Sunday. He led Kansas with 25. Dickinson, he had 22 and nine rebounds. Dickinson and McCuller, both very efficient as well, combining to go 18 of 34 from the field. Uh, Harris, six points. I thought he played a pretty well-controlled game. But the main takeaway from this game is Illinois, who ended up winning this secret scrimmage by a score of 82 to 75. And anyone who's listened to me talk college basketball or just on the show overall over the course of the last few years, you guys know I've always been a huge Brad Underwood fan, right? I love him as a coach, and I feel like when he's your coach, he's going to get really the most possible out of your team. And with that being said, last year, really from the beginning, despite the very high expectations going into the season, something was just off and the chemistry was not there with that Illinois team. And they ended up pretty disappointing. They they finished uh, going to the NCAA tournament, playing in that eight, nine game against Arkansas. They ended up losing that game. Arkansas really controlled that game for most of the way. And as good of a coach as Brad Underwood is, 
dating back to his days at Stephen F. Austin, he has still never made it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And that is one guy I really want to see eventually break through because I think he deserves it. I think he's a really good head coach. And I think overall, just watching this Illinois team play one scrimmage, I do think that there were some really good signs that should make Illinois fans excited. And the overall mix and the overall chemistry with this team, just from watching them yesterday, is definitely going to be better than last year's team. Terrence Shannon Jr., this is a guy that is very experienced. This is now his fifth year at college basketball, his second year at Illinois after starting his career at Texas Tech. He led the way for the Illini, scoring 28 points yesterday, five of nine from three. And then Coleman Hawkins, another guy they brought back from last year's team that has the potential to play at at an All-American type level this year. He'll be one of the better players in the Big Ten Conference. He finishes with 14 points. But even besides those two guys, this Illinois team just has a lot more firepower on the offensive side of the ball, I think, compared to years past. Quincy Guerrier, another guy that's been playing college basketball a really long time. He started his career at Syracuse, played a prominent role for them in the bubble 2021 NCAA tournament when they made it to the Sweet 16. This is now his third school. He played at Oregon the last few years, but he's now at Illinois. He had 13 points yesterday, going 8 of 10 from the free throw line, so he was able to get to the foul line. Ty Rogers, that's another guy I want to talk about because one question for Illinois going into the season is that point guard spot. We remember what happened to them last year with Sky Clark entering the season with a ton of hype, a ton of expectations, but when you're a freshman point guard, sometimes that could be hard to manage and things just really didn't go well with Clark. He ended up leaving the program midseason and he's now at Louisville. I'll never forget this. Literally minutes after Illinois lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to uh, to Arkansas last year, that game I mentioned, Sky Clark goes on Twitter and commits to Louisville like 10 minutes later, I would say. That was just a low blow to this Illinois program. I hope Brad Underwood and everyone in that locker room remembers that, but there are still point uh, questions at the point guard position for this Illinois team. Ty Rogers is the guy that they're going to rely on to start to try to fix those issues, and he is a playmaker. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I just don't know if putting him in like the Andre Jackson role that uh, he was in for UConn last season is really going to work the same way, but he played all right yesterday. He had seven points, three of six from the field. You also had Dane danger. Who's just a big body down low. He uh, only went, uh, he went oh, uh, oh, one from the field only had one point that came from the free throw line. And then another guy I wanted to point out for Illinois is Luke Goody, a shooter. He was injured for the majority of last year. Didn't come back till late. Couldn't really make an impact either. Uh, He played sparingly for the Illini as well. So I'm a big believer in this Illinois team. I think they are right there in the top 25. I would probably have them somewhere between 20 and 25 entering the season. But that dynamic duo of Hawkins and Shannon, there aren't many in the country better. And the fact that they were able, I know, in a secret scrimmage to beat Kansas, that has to give you some major confidence. And uh, I'm hoping Illinois could have a bounce back season. Not even that last season was so bad. It was just relative to the expectations. This Illinois team was not good enough. And I think when you look at them entering this season, they should be much, much better. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thorough is great, of course, to talk about the secret scrimmages. The three main ones that came to mind over this past weekend was, of course, Arkansas against Purdue, Michigan State against Tennessee, and Illinois against Kansas. And I can't wait for the season to start. Just watching those games, it really gave me that feeling like, man, college basketball, it'll be here before you know it, one week away. I can't wait. But then we also got some recruiting news that took place uh, earlier this morning that I wanted to talk about, and that is Cooper Flagg, the number one prospect in the high school class of 2024. He is committed to Duke officially. They beat out UConn. It looked like for a little bit that the Huskies had some hope. Uh, he, he went on a visit there. But Cooper Flagg, is Duke bound. And it was very impressive watching what he was able to do over this past summer at Peach Jam representing Maine. And that's the thing about Cooper Flagg right off the bat that's really cool to me, right? I don't think everyone realizes just how difficult it is when you're playing at a local high school, public school in such a small state like Maine. And no offense to Maine and everyone who's living there, but that is not really a college basketball hotbed, right? When you think of, oh, what are the states? What are the places where usually the top recruits in the country come from, it's Texas, it's California, places like that, big, uh, highly populated areas, not a whole lot of top players coming out of the state of Maine. And Cooper Flagg not only is from Maine, but he played his whole high school career there, represent, or not his whole, he actually played at um, Montverde, who is one of the more prominent high school teams in the country, but in the... uh, this past summer, he represented uh, his AAU team was from the state of Maine. And it was clear like his brother was on the team. But when they were going up against the Boozers in that championship game, it was clear that it was the other team, Team Boozer, that had most of the guys that were going to be playing college basketball at the D1 level in the future. The other team just had Cooper Flagg, who was the number one player in the country. And he's going to be heading to Duke. And you got to give props to John Shire, right? Because Really, since he joined Coach K's staff and since he's been a prominent part of this Duke program as a coach, he has just been a recruiting machine. And Duke has done such a good job getting all the top prospects in high school to come play there, right? From Zion Williamson to R.J. Barrett to Vernon Carey to Paolo Banquero to Jeremy Roach. All of these guys have just been able to come to Duke and John Shire has a lot to do with it. We know that the thing also that makes this Duke team unique going into the season is the fact that for the first time in a while, they're just going to be returning a ton of key quality players from last year's team that are coming back as sophomores that are former top-notch recruits coming out of high school, like a Kyle Filipowski, like a Mark Mitchell, uh, guys like that who have just come uh, to the Duke program as top recruits to play for John Shire. Tyrese Proctor is the other name. Uh, that comes to mind and and uh, they've been able to make a big impact for the program and Cooper flag with most of those guys probably no longer going to be in the picture next year that is just a monster monster recruiting start for Shire and then the other thing about this Duke team this year is that they have freshmen like a Jared McCann like a Caleb Foster like a TJ Power that are going to be coming to this team this year Sean Stewart is the other name that comes to mind there as well they're going to be coming to uh, to Cameron Indoor Stadium and to Durham this year as freshmen, true freshmen, but they're not really going to be asked to play key roles. That's going to be for guys like Filipowski. That's going to be for Proctor and Roach. 
And kind of like what I mentioned with Michigan State earlier, that is a great, great way to build your team. I think in today's game, freshmen, they're not useless, right? Having good freshmen on your team could be very valuable, but the ideal situation for them is going to be to come in and try to raise the ceiling of your team like uh, the Michigan State guys are, opposed to having everything thrown on their shoulders and having to rely on them. And that's the thing that makes this Duke team interesting. But next year, if you're John Shire, you're bringing in a team that's going to be headlined by Cooper Flagg with uh, maybe a McCann, maybe a Foster. It's going to really depend on just how much of an impact those guys make this year. But if you could just get two of Stewart, McCann, Foster, and power back for next year, maybe three of those guys to go along with Flagg, that is a great, great start. And there were a lot of questions about John Shire when the Duke program decided to name him as the guy to replace Coach K. Tommy Amaker was another name. Aaron brought that up uh, in the ACC uh, preview edition. Like there were still a ton of questions about who exactly John Shire was and if he was going to be able to get the job done as the head coach. But he's been on a recruiting machine. Uh, Isaiah Evans, he's another guy recruited to Duke in the class of 2024. He was the number 11 ranked recruit right now in the uh, 24-7 top uh, 100 recruiting rankings. So he'll be joining five. They also have a guy, Khan Knuppel, number 16 ranked uh, prospect in the class, and Darren Harris to go along with flag. He's ranked number 56. So there are four legit studs already in the Duke recruiting class heading into next season. And if they could just get some of the guys back for this year's team, it's just going to be a monster, monster squad. And John Shire, he got a contract extension a couple weeks ago after only one season, which is always a questionable move, right? Like it's not like you're competing against anyone. It's not like John Shire is going to be weaving the Duke program for anywhere. I believe Aaron even brought that up. Like what is the point of extending him when you're not really competing against anyone? But one thing you can't deny is John Shire is just on an absolute tear on the recruiting trail. And I thought all things all things considered, Duke had a really solid season last year. I know they struggled early. And when you have such high expectations like Duke, if you're not making it to at least the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, their fans are never going to be happy. And you get why the standard is really high. But at the same time, I feel like anyone who watched and followed this Duke team consistently over the course of last season knows just how improved they've been uh, and they were from the end of the season or from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, they ended up winning the ACC tournament, which was super impressive. And I do think they are a very, very well-deserved top overall team. I think I would rank them uh, as number one in my top 25 entering the season. And John Shire just keeps the momentum rolling, bringing in Cooper flag, headlining his class of 2024. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast. I appreciate you guys, everyone listening. It's always great to be back talking college basketball on this platform with you guys. And again, the season is just one week away. Seven days, we will have USC taking on Kansas State, Oregon taking on Georgia. That's an event uh, that I cannot wait for to have this sport back. And you guys know that we'll be talking about it all on this show. Thank you guys for listening. I'll be soon. Something that's not boring. A laundry? 
Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.